Well, it is October the 31st tonight. Some people are using this night to connect and, and meet neighbors, and there may be some good in that. We also know that there are some dark and uh, wicked things that happen on this time of the year, this day of the year. And so that actually may be what brought you into the house tonight. So if you're here tonight, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit has something to do in each and every one of our hearts tonight. So a few years back when it was actually easier to travel the world, I was uh, in, in Belgium. And uh, of course, in Belgium, the language that most people speak there is French. And a little bit of Flemish also. Well, French was predominantly the language that people spoke, and I took some French when I was in high school and college and was excited to be able to use it a little bit as I was in, in Belgium. But everywhere I, I went, people would come up and they would just initially speak to me in English. So I was there with some missionary friends, and I said, I, I don't understand. I, I know a little bit of French. I could at least greet people and try to begin a conversation in the French language, why is it that people just come up to me or when we're in a store or restaurant, they speak to all you in French, but the server, when they come to take my order, they speak to me in English. And the missionary said, I'm sorry, but it's just very obvious that you're an American. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it's obvious that I wasn't from there, I didn't fit in. Something about the way I carried myself. As followers of Christ, that's a version of how it can feel like where we live. We live here in, in Salem and the surrounding area, but our values, our passions, the way we use our time, the way we use our resources, what we're for, what we're against, we can feel like an outsider, even in a place that is geographically our home. Even if it's been our home our entire life, there are times when as a follower of Christ, we can feel at an, as an, like an outsider in our own hometown. And so that's where we pick up tonight in this message series, Stand Firm. We started this morning, we have this evening's message, and then we're gonna come back to this next Sunday morning. We're talking about the decision to stand firm by relying on a strength that is far greater than our own. We said this morning, the trials, the temptations, and troubles of this world are temporary, but the heavenly outcome we are promised is permanent. Here's what I want for us. I, I want us to be a, a church that is at peace under pressure and responds to hate with love. This evening, let's focus in on one verse, just one verse, verse that captures so much perspective on how God desires for us to live as followers of Christ in this life, even when it's difficult. Perhaps there are times when it's frustrating that you don't fit in, but maybe we're not supposed to fit in. Maybe we're supposed to stand out Open up, power up with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and the verse we're going to 
look at for a few minutes tonight is verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Once again, we have Peter writing to Christians decades after the death and resurrection of Christ, and these Christians are hurting. When we talk about Peter, if we were only to describe Peter as an uneducated fisherman, we way, way underestimate him. Peter was an influencer. He was a leader. He was bold. Peter was passionate to a fault. The theme of what Peter writes to these early Christians is this, be strong as you face present troubles because you are assured of a future in heaven. Peter brings eternal perspective to this earthly life. He's writing to Christians who were not blending in where they were living because of the way that they were living. They weren't going to parties that their neighbors were hosting. There were insults, there was discrimination, they were be, being treated as enemies in their own home communities. These believers, they were harassed, bullied, assaulted, subjected to random acts of violence. And from what Peter writes, some were at risk of being drawn back into their old life. Some were at risk of abandoning their faith because something about going back seemed easier. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, Peter says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Peter calls believers then and us now sojourners and exiles. Sojourners and exiles, a sojourner or exile this is a stranger or foreigner living in a place that is not their place or your place of citizenship. This is a person who comes from a foreign country into a city or land to live side by side with people in that land. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul tells us, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship in heaven. When Peter calls believers exiles and sojourners, he's talking about their spiritual status, not our political or national status. You are citizens, citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, when I was growing up, my dad was an alien. He uh, was born and raised in Canada. So, up until, yeah, hey, up until probably about a decade, maybe a little more than a decade ago, he was a Canadian citizen living in America. He got to stay because he married my mom. And he had this card of legal standing so he could legally be in the United States, and it was, the color of the card was green. <laughs> and it said, resident alien. My dad had a card affirming that he was a resident alien. He was a Canadian citizen living in the United States. Peter urges Christ followers to view this life as a season we are passing through, the sojourner or exile mindset. The sojourner mindset is I'm physically here, I'm involved here, but ultimately my heart and my home is somewhere else. Many of us would say this has developed the longer we have followed Christ. We want to get the most out of where God leads us in the world. But our heart is in heaven. Understand and remember, followers of Christ, this is not your home. 
If you're a follower of Christ, you become a stranger to the world. You're a sojourner, you're passing through. You're an alien. This is not your final dwelling place. Now, if you were to take that sound bite and use it on context, it could really not be good, all right? You are temporary residents and foreigners because your true spiritual home is in heaven. And when we say the word heaven, when we talk about this destination that is heaven, it's not harps and clouds and these things of cartoons. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. It is beyond, it is so great, it is beyond what we could possibly comprehend. Heaven is a place where God's presence is experienced without sin pollution of any kind. Maybe you thought, well, I really am looking forward to being in heaven, but there's this, that, or the other thing about earth. I'm really going to miss that when I get to heaven. That's deception. (laughs) Nothing about heaven is inferior to what this world has to offer. As a follower of Christ, you are already a citizen of heaven. You serve a heavenly father as you pass through this temporary world on your way to an eternal dwelling place where you will be with God. This world is not your home, therefore we are different from this world. Once again, let me look at this with you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Being a sojourner, being an exile, a citizen of heaven, is this obvious to people who are around you? It was obvious when I was in Belgium that I wasn't from there and I didn't fit in. So my question to us tonight, followers of Christ, is it obvious to those who are around us, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, is it obvious that our citizenship is somewhere else? Is that clear to others who are around us? What does it mean for followers of Christ to live as sojourners in this world? You have different values than those who are around you. You have different morals than those who are around you. You have a different belief system. Remember that Peter is writing to followers of Christ who are experiencing increased persecution, pressure, and opposition. This was a time in world history when it was completely acceptable to be mean to foreigners. If there was a dispute between a citizen and the foreigner, the citizen would always win. The authorities would always side with the citizen over the foreigner. So here are followers of Christ enduring hatred in their hometowns in a place where they have political citizenship, feeling like, what is going on here? And they would have understood the concept of foreigners and they knew what the reputation was for how foreigners were treated. Now actually God's word challenges that attitude and talks about treating foreigners well. But they understood how foreigners, for the most part, were treated in their communities. And he said, you're being treated like a foreigner because that's actually what you are here. Following Christ challenges culture and society, so we should not be surprised when culture and society push back against Christianity. In this country, where we live today, it's different from what missionaries may encounter as they go to work in other countries. Because in other parts of the world, Christianity is new and Christianity is foreign, so it is rejected by what is traditional. 
in this country, the United States, this has been a country where the majority has been close to Christian values. And so the pressure against faith, what we're experiencing now, is rising up as nominal Christianity turns to apathy or even anti-Christianity. So you may be asking, what is happening in my country? What Peter writes to them then and to us now gives us hope. See, he continuously comes back to this theme. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. Because this world is not your home, Peter said, God is calling you to be different. Live as a sojourner. What you hold on to and what you release is different from someone who is not living as a follower of Christ. Now look at what Peter connects to the sojourner exile mindset. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. The work of restoring you in relationship to your heavenly father, it's already done. Christ suffered and died on the cross for the sins of the world. If you or when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins were forgiven in that moment. That's why you become a sojourner or a foreigner. And because of that, Peter says, abstain, abstain, stay away from the passions of the flesh. Do not return to the passions of the flesh that separated you from God. The passions of the flesh are what separated you from God in the first place, so don't go back to that. We're talking about desires that push you farther from God the more you chase after them. Later in this same letter, Peter writes this. This would be 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So what do they do? They slander you. Some of you read, they are surprised that you do not join them and you think, who are you hanging out with? Passions of the flesh? Sounds kind of like a series that you shouldn't be watching on Netflix. Your mind might go to something related to sex. When Peter talks about passions of the flesh, it is that, but it's not just that. In the same letter, Peter also mentions lying, deceiving people, hypocrisy, jealousy or envy, evil speech and slander, all these things that destroy relationships. The depth that each of us struggles in these areas, no one knows but you and God. When we talk about lying, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, envy, evil speech, slander, these things that destroy relationships, no one knows the extent to which you struggle in these areas except you and God. But it's likely that the struggle for many of us goes deeper than we would ever want to admit. What Peter captures here is describing these desires as being at war with your soul. At war with your soul. Peter, with insight from the Holy Spirit, helps us to see that these desires can be extremely destructive by describing them in terms of warfare. Warfare is an enemy attempting to conquer. 
These desires are used by the enemy in an attempt to separate us from our Heavenly Father. Peter never says in this entire letter, don't worry, at some point on earth, it's going to get easier. (laughs) Avoid these areas, we see encouragement from Peter. Avoid these areas that may provide some temporary satisfaction or escape, but ultimately, if left unchecked, they will lead to warfare on your soul. What Peter says next speaks to the direct result of what will happen outside when you separate yourself from these inside desires. Look with me at verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on that day of visitation. When you separate yourself from these passions inside, there is going to be an outside result. You are going to act with integrity. It's not gonna be just simply putting on an act. That will all flow from what's happening on the inside. Paul, Peter's not saying fake it on the outside. He's saying check the warfare on the inside. Challenge yourself to separate yourself from these desires. And as you separate yourself from these desires, there is going to be an outside result. What is the outside result? Your conduct among unbelievers will become honorable. They may want to speak against you and they may still speak against you. However, your good deeds are gonna come against any attacks that they can bring against you. We don't wanna fuel what they may call hypocrisy. We don't wanna fuel what they may see as jealousy and envy. If we eradicate that from our lives, then as they come against us, then we take ammunition out of what they may say against us. When an outsider speaks against you, they won't see hypocrisy. In fact, something entirely different may happen. Maybe they'll see your changed life. And maybe they'll see that you don't struggle with what other people are struggling with. They may see other people struggling with addiction, with selfishness, with these other things we mentioned, hypocrisy, slander, gossip. And they say, something's different about you. You actually seem at peace when everyone else is all worked up. You actually have a joy, even though what you're going through, you should not be filled with joy. What is it about you that's different? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I don't know what you have, but I want it. When they see the good in you, it may even cause them to turn from rejecting God to receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Living with a sojourner mindset brings freedom from desires that wage war on your soul and overflows with a goodness that points outsiders to Christ. I want to read just a bit 
from what a traveling missionary posted on a blog called Traveling the Road. This life is temporary. You enter this world with nothing and you will exit the same way. The mindset of a sojourner is a person looking forward to the destination ahead. They are unencumbered by the collection of unnecessary things that will make their journey difficult. If the items we carried were to become too many, it would make our journeys more difficult. Don't let what you own end up owning you. There is freedom in knowing where you are headed. Most people on earth don't know what is to come and they fear the end game. They fear death for it is the great unknown and a person always fears what they do not know. The power of knowing Christ Jesus and being born again frees us from our worry and fear. Even if our lives end, we know that we will enter the eternal kingdom to come. This knowledge is what empowered the early church to boldly stand up to persecution and refuse to denounce Christ, even if it meant death. Early Christians would suffer incredible hardships, unafraid because they knew where they were going. Did you hear me, church? Early Christians would suffer incredible hardships, unafraid because they knew where they were going. The powerful mindset of a sojourner is that they are merely passing through this life to the eternal one to come. This knowledge instills courage, boldness, and power in those who will grab a hold of it. Life is not meant to be lived in fear, but rather boldly and faithfully looking to the promises ahead. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come tonight. I wanna to ask you some questions and give us an opportunity to respond tonight. Is there anything you're carrying that's holding you back from the journey that God is leading you? So we might understand this in terms of like, if we were going to go on a, a road trip or something, there's only so much that we we can take and then we outgrow the car or the van or the truck that we're on and we have to add trailers and the more stuff we bring we understand the slower that we move so we're talking perhaps about physical stuff but we might be talking about emotional baggage we might be talking about relationships where we've allowed brokenness to seep in unforgiveness that we have allowed to go unchecked? Is there anything you're carrying that's holding you back from the journey that God is leading you on? Maybe, maybe you've carried anger for somebody for years or even decades. Maybe it's a bitterness because something didn't go your way because there's an opportunity that you thought was coming and it went to someone else instead. 
and you've carried it like a weight in your soul? Is there anything you're carrying that's holding you back from the journey that God is leading you on? And it actually can be physical stuff. Sometimes we have so much stuff to take care of that it interrupts our spiritual journey. Is there anything emotional, spiritual, any area of sin that's encumbering you from the journey that God wants you to walk? Is there a desire that you've struggled with publicly or privately? And when I read this verse tonight where Peter says, this actually wages war on your soul. I believe that spoke to a heart here tonight, that there is a desire it is a longing and you know that it is against God, even though there may be some public affirmation of whatever that is, you know it's against God. And you're carrying it as a burden on your soul. It's, and you would say, what Peter the way Peter describes it, that's exactly how it's been. It's waging war on your soul. There's a desire that you've struggled with publicly or privately, waging war on your soul. This may be the night that you want to declare it's time to leave that in the past. The Holy Spirit prompted me to mention pornography. We know that this is an extremely destructive addiction and far more people struggle with it than we like to ever admit. It's maybe only for one person here tonight. You know it's waging war on your soul. It's waging war on your soul. And the longer you let it last, it's only gonna push you deeper into darkness. How about this? Have you allowed fear of the future to take root in your mind? The last year and a half, it's kind of ripped the ground out from underneath of us. So much of what we thought certain is no longer certain. And so we wonder, well, is this ever going to end? What's going to happen? Have you allowed fear of the future to take root in your mind? And tonight you want to reset with a sojourner's mindset, a new or renewed confidence that you actually know the outcome. This is challenging, church. Next question. Is it your desire to stand firm, even if it means suffering? Is it your desire to stand firm, even if it means suffering? And you want Holy Spirit-led courage. You want Holy Spirit-directed boldness. You want to live an empowered life not powered by your own wisdom and creativity and strength. You want to live empowered by the boldness of the Holy Spirit. If that's you tonight, I invite you to join me right now. Let's stand and let's prepare to sing. Before we sing, if any of what we just talked about would draw you and your spirit to come to this altar tonight, you're among friends. You step out of your row, that's right. Friends are already coming. You wanna stand firm. 
you want to be bold. You're saying, I'm going to stand with you even if it means suffering. You have some sort of desire that you're struggling with. It's a waging war on your soul and you want to be free of that tonight. And the altar, spread out, make room for others who are coming. Maybe you've allowed a fear of the future to take root in your mind. And tonight you want to reset with a sojourner's mindset. Maybe you've been carrying something physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it's holding you back from the journey that God wants to lead you on. And tonight you want, you want to come to this altar and you want to lay it at the feet of Jesus. I invite you to step out of your row. You're among friends. This is a room among friends. We need people who will stand up. We need people who will stand up, who will be bold. People who are willing to be on the front lines. You're at the altar, you begin to do your business with God right here. You don't have to hold back, he already knows. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness. Maybe it's praying to receive that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it may be, you seek the Lord right now, right here in this place.